0: Welcome to a radical discussion of independence, free will, liberty, and the left-hand path. This is Daemonosophy 2.0 with your host, Paul Frederick. No vision you know how a queen bee is made, and when I say that, I'm not—I'm not, I'm not saying—I'm um, not trying to make a joke about queen bees. There's no—there's no joke behind this. Literally, how is a queen bee made? And it's a fascinating story, it's a fascinating aspect of biology and nature. What happens is, so in bee society there's, you know, there's drones and workers, um, and they all work really hard, you know, you see all the bees working there in the hive. and. One of the things they do is they create larvas. One of the things that is one of the main things that bees are doing. They're watching over larvas of the next generation, the babies, the new ba- the baby bees. And what they do is a part of their tending of them is they put this fluid on them, which is called royal jelly. And it's basically nourishment. They regurgitate this, this fluid on them. It's a unique fluid that they create themselves that's based upon, I mean, all the things that bee eat, bees eat and consume, which is like pollen and nectar and, you know, whatever bees, you know, take within themselves. Um, they process it and they create this royal jelly. And they spit that up on the larvae and the larva will then grow to be, you know, either a, a drone or a uh, worker bee, or, which are basically the same thing. Um, but then when they decide that one of these larvae needs to become a queen, and we don't know how they decide that. They make a decision about that. I mean, they're aware when they have, currently have a queen, they're not trying to make one generally. Um, but when a queen dies, then they or they don't have a queen, they will start to make one. Sometimes they accidentally make a couple, two or three, and then you know the two queens come up and they um, they don't fight it out, but like the bees will like um, all like um, basically dogpile her, smother and her, get rid of her. But anyhow. They, they decide, they somehow decide that one of those larva, which is just a worker or a drone like everyone else, they decide that that one is going to be the queen. And so what do they do? They give her more royal jelly. They bombard that particular larva with a shit ton of royal jelly. And... For some reason, which is not entirely clear to science, and it's not entirely clear to me why science doesn't know this, because this whole thing with beekeeping, this knowledge about how this happens is ancient. It's very old. But somehow, that additional um, substance, the additional quantity of this substance causes that larva to go through a physical, you know, biological and genetic transformation to where they become a super bee, or as we say, a queen bee. And there's one queen bee, and, and, and the queen bee is physically different. In case you don't know this, she's much larger than the other bees. I don't know what it is. She's like three, four, five times like bigger. I've seen one before, like up close and personal. A couple years back, I went to um, Joplin, Missouri, that area around Joplin and Springfield, which is the area that I uh, grew up in as a child. And I went back there because my mother had passed away. And I went back there... To bury her with some family members, and while I was there, I reconnected with uh, some of my other family there, and one of my cousins, um, cousin uh, Mindy, and you know she has a family. She has she has like you know three boys and and a husband and all this stuff. And they like a lot of my family from where I came from. They live. In the hills around that area, close to the Ozarks. If you ever heard of that Ozark Mountain country, um, and and you know, like um, her husband, he works in healthcare. I think he's an RN, but she is. You know, she stays at home, and and they do a lot of subsistence farming also to supplement um, their income. And, you know, she creates food, you know, they have foods and stuff that they grow and there's, there's a, um, a uh, local, uh, farmer's market. They have a farmer's market there because there's these cities around there where there's, you know, and, and there, there's cities or not, not, not so much cities, but, you know, urban areas where people just, you know, there's people that go, you know, ape shit for farmer's market type stuff. And so they're, they're, they're doing quite well. With all of that, and and one of the other things that they do is they do beekeeping. She's got bees on her property, and um, so when when I was out there, we all got together to make a trip to uh, Silver Dollar City, which is like a uh, amusement park. It's kind of a Ozark Mountain Country hillbilly amusement park in in southern Missouri. It's near Branson. If you if you've heard of Branson, Missouri, which is kind of the um, you know, the Southern Hillbilly, Las Vegas, it's it's close to that. Um, it's funny because, I, I mean, when I used to live there, when I was a child growing up in the 70s, um, we used to drive to Silver Dollar City. My father would always take me there. We'd go there at least once a year because it got some neat roller coasters and stuff. And it was a big thing. It's very exciting for us. We loved it. Um and and Branson well Branson was there you passed through Branson on the way, and it was just a little town that had a uh, you know like a catfish buffet and a gas station and you just ate some food there after you're done with a day at the amusement park. It was nothing. It was no big deal. But now it's like huge. It's like all these uh, country music stars have have their own theaters there. It's kind of like Las Vegas if you replace gambling and drinking with uh, evangelical Christianity and country music. Um, so, I mean, it's fun. It's fun. It's cool. But anyhow, you get the idea. This is the kind of uh, area area that it is. And so I went to, uh, you know, so she picked me up, and, and she's got her boys. And it's like we're in Joplin, so it's like an hour drive, hour and a half drive. And, um, her boys are in the back. I'm sitting in the back with them. And, um, and she says, so we're going to have to stop. We have to stop on the way. Cause I have to sell a queen bee to someone. I was like, what? She's like, yeah, so we got to sell this queen bee to these people. Cause we, we make a couple, you know, every year and we sell them. They're very, you know, in in high demand, uh, on the market. And she's like, Caleb, you got that queen bee back there? Show Cousin Fritz that Queen B. They call me Fritz. They call me Cousin Fritz. Um, it's, it's a thing that goes way back. That's what I was called as a child. That's how uh, that whole side of my family knows me as as Fritz or Cousin Fritz or Nephew Fritz, what have you. Anyhow, she says that, and I look over at Caleb. He's, like, sitting next to me. He's like, yeah, and he, like, reaches down, and he he pulls up this little... It's like a little, like, half a test tube plastic thing. And it's got this huge bee in it. She's, like, crawling around, running spirals around the outside. And It's like, that's the queen bee. She's right there. Um, and, you know, you get a feeling from that. It's like, I'm in the presence of royalty. So, um, anyhow, we drive we, we drive along for a half hour. It's like, we got to stop at a gas station. Uh, to to make the deal to sell this queen bee to these to these people, and it's funny. She she got a call from them along the way, and uh, when she answered the answered the phone, it came over through the uh, speaker on the car's stereo, and and the people she was selling it to are Russian. They're like, "Yes, yes, we'll meet you at the gas station to buy the queen bee. Yes, we're very excited about this," and. I don't know if that was a shitty Russian accent, maybe. But anyhow, we went and met there. We made the deal We made the transaction. Um, so, I mean, this was an exciting moment for me because I realized um, that I had family that knew about this whole Queen Bee thing. And, you know, I'd heard, I will admit that I had heard about this Royal Jelly thing before, but... I later then had a conversation with her and her husband about this and he advised me that yes, this is absolutely true. This is how queen bees are made. So I noticed if you go and you search online, I mean, Wikipedia is going to tell you exactly the same story that I just told you. Now, that's the main mainstay of it. I've seen a, there's a couple of articles out there, recent ones that say that, um, that it's questionable. Um, but I mean, to me, it's like the, the, the majority of, of legitimate scientific data still like counts as one of the great mysteries. And also all of the people that I know personally who work in this field, um, will say the same thing. So why is that significant? It's significant because what happens and, and, and what I'm talking about is the royal jelly being added to the queen bee is a substance, is being placed upon an organism, and that organism is mutating in a biological, genetic way. They are determining the destiny of this being towards specific ends, towards something that that functionally they need, and it is becoming something greater than all the other beings within that particular class, that particular category. Why is that amazing? Well, because all of our science and our technology as human beings and our knowledge. We cannot do this, and we want to do this. This is what science and 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 genetics—that's the ultimate thing about it. We want to be able to um, alter genetics to make people better than they are, to make uh, beings better than they are, and through selective breeding, we're able to do that. You know, over long periods of time, through selective breeding, um, which is a very common thing. Again, this that, but that goes back, like, you know. Thousands of years and generations. Uh, selective breeding does. What we are not able to do is to create a substance that we put into someone and genetically it affects them and makes them better. There's experimental things out there um, which I, I, I won't get into right now. There's experimental things but no one is really able to say to create um, a, a smarter human being or a stronger human being as a result of this. Um, We do not have the ability to make this happen. However, nature does have the ability to make this happen. And that is what we see occurring with the queen bee. So, what this represents is The super substantial. And what this indicates is that the work towards a super substantial state of being has a basis in nature someone you can come back and you say, well, bees are all collective and, and you know, whatever. So it's like we, we, we can't really compare ourselves that way. What we're going to talk about, what we want to look at is the fact that a substance can be taken. And here's the other thing. It's not that it's like a special kind. Well, it is a special kind of substance. But it's just ordinary nourishment for most bees. It's just ordinary nourishment that gets them into being adult, normal worker bees. It's when it's impl- uh, when it's applied in a high dose and a succinctly directed manner, a focused and extreme manner that it has this effect so this is very similar to how we understand the black flame to work how we understand the gift of set to work it exists in all of humanity all of humanity has the gift of set all of humanity has isolate intelligence every single human being That exists in the world that you meet on the street, the person that, like, you know, cuts you off on your drive to work, the person that cuts in front of you in the line to the cafeteria, the person that loves you and smiles at you when you come home each day. All of those people have the gift of set. All of those people receive to some extent, nourishment from the black flame. Now, some people, when they realize or have a sense that there is a greater potential available, a greater potential that's possible, and they realize that they need more. So initially you say, what do I need more of? And initially, for a lot of people, this is, I need more knowledge. I need more information. I need better information. And so you go on a big information search. And for some people, that's all they need. They just need to get a get. They just get a bunch of books, and they're and they're cool. Um. But really, for most people, that's not enough. For a lot of people, the search continues, and they find other people. They need to find other people who are interested in these ideas. It's not enough to just. Read the book. It's not enough to just read Cavendish's Black Arts and learn, oh yeah, there's this stuff with tarot cards, and there's this stuff with like magic, and there's an X Factor in humanity. No, you need more than that. You need to find other people to talk to about it. And not, you know, not just talk in a in a casual way. But to talk in a deep way, to really flesh out these ideas. So for a lot of people, well, I shouldn't say a lot of people, for some people, because the further you go with this, it becomes less and less people. As you, The further you go with this, the deeper you move into this, it becomes less and less people. When you're, when you're talking about books... You know, let's buy occult books. I'm going to become a collector of occult books. Well, there's a huge community for that. Well, what about the people who just read, um, let's say, John Dee, Aristotle, and maybe Plato? Well, that's a lot less people. I know a lot of people, huge libraries that don't read any of those three people. So that whittles it down a little bit more. So you're getting, you know, you're you're, you're whittling it down a little bit more. And so you continue on. And eventually you get to the point where it's not enough to just talk to people about the books and the ideas. You need to do something. Now, there's people that go off from here and they go off on just doing things on their own. I'm an individual practitioner. And that's like a different thing. I can't really talk about it. They are not those people that go off and do that, they're not going to end up getting that that super substantial injection that I'm talking about. I mean it's fine. I'm not judging people who go off and do that. Go you know, go off go off and do that. Go off and find your thing. Come back and, you know, hey, start your own cult. Come back and, you know, recruit others. It's what the uh Ancient Brotherhood of Satan, John D, or John Ali, I'm sorry, John Ali, the Ancient Brotherhood of Satan. They had a had a group back in the 90s, and um, it was, uh, you know, their their motto was worships, worship Satan, join the cult, recruit others. <laughs> and you know what? What's funny is there's so many people who are doing that now and i don't they probably don't even know about the ancient brotherhood of satan or john Ali or any of this shit that happened in the late 80s or the 90s but i mean this is basically what they're doing join the join the cult recruit others here's my cult i started a new one mine's better than everyone else because we're like more open and let you do what you want but so just join it join my cult you can do whatever you want it's funny when when all of the cults out there are in such incredible competition with each other that that the main thing that they're advertising about themselves is they let you do whatever you want. <laughs> That's funny. Hey, how about this? Everyone who's listening to this right now, y'all can do whatever you want, and you don't even have to join my cult. Um, you know, go for it. But anyhow, so these pe- some people like go off on their own. But then there's some people who are reading the literature. They're collecting ideas, and that's not enough. And talking to other people isn't enough. And so they continue on to where they meet other people that they can work with. Now, I don't mean just, oh, I met someone, and he joined my cult, and now I'm going to go do a ritual with them off somewhere. You know, That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is you find the others, in the sense that Timothy Leary meant it. That you find an esoteric school, or that you find in the way that, um, like, Gurdjieff used the uh, prison allegory, which is actually an innovation on Plato's cave allegory, And the idea is, um, let's see if I can talk about both of them at the same time. For Gurdjieff, man's situation is that you're stuck in a prison. And for Plato, man's situation is you're stuck in a cave. Um, And in order to get, when you get out of these, first of all, you can't get out on your own. You only need help. You can only get out of any of these things. By finding others who also want to escape and when you get out you see reality as it is and that's incredibly shocking for most people and then you go through a period of well maybe I'm just gonna drop back down into the cave or maybe I'm gonna stay out in 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 here and enjoy the light but in any case there's like an interim period in here there's a point where you need to work with other people who also want to escape from the prison or the cave so, when you get to this point, and, and Ospinsky called this an esoteric school. He liked the term esoteric school. And I like that term also. I use that term a lot. But you get to that point, and then you have the opportunity to actually start to receive something higher. So, what you're receiving up before that, and it is a different form of nourishment that you're getting when you're finding these new ideas, when you're collecting these new books and, and, and discovering this new form of literature, it's like a new form of nourishment. It nourishes a higher part of yourself. That's like the, the royal jelly, right? That's like when you're receiving the royal jelly. Help make you a worker bee. But then when you get to the point where you're working with an esoteric school you're working with all these other people who also have magnetically been like pulling in these substantial influences they have all this and then you all start like working together on this common goal of escaping from prison escaping from the cave achieving something higher right not, not achieving power over other people So people that get stuck with this, like, power thing, they're the ones who end up going off by themselves and starting their own cult or whatever. It's a different thing. Again, I'm not judging it. It's fine. Just saying it's a different thing. But you get to this point where you find the right people, where everyone is working together, and no one really wants anything from each other. No one really needs anything from each other. I'm not trying to get anything out of you. Right, we're all just kind of working together for the same goal. Then it creates this atmosphere where there is an exponentially increased amount of this substance or super substance. And this is what I call the super substantial. Now you have the opportunity to receive super substantial nourishment in the same way that a group of bees who've all gone what you've gone through before they've gone through what every larva has gone through and they decide we're going to like all huddle together here around this one bring them in to help facilitate this change and because and and again think of this as the black flame now you're receiving more of it and you're receiving it directly you're receiving a little bit out there in the world when you're like collecting these literatures when you're reading cavendish's black arts and you're reading you know plato you're reading the fido you're reading the nicomachean ethics Uh, (laughs) okay y'all probably weren't reading that um cavendish's black arts maybe you read um, psychology of Man's Possible Evolution. You're reading Morning of the Magicians. You're reading all the classics of the occult, you know, all the biographies of John Dee and everything like that. You know, so you're receiving like um, bits and pieces of the black flame. You're receiving like moments and and, and droplets. And sparks of the black flame, while you're like picking up all these ideas that've been recorded. You know, you go, um, you know, you go visit, you know, the the Great Pyramids, or you go, um, you know, visit, you know, Wavelsburg, or you go to, you know, uh, Saint, you know, Saint uh, Saint George's Basilica, Saint Vitus's Cathedral in Prague, where I just was. Uh, and, and, And things like this, you pick up these like higher influences there that helps lead you in this direction. But you get to that point where you're huddled with the others who also want to escape and the intensity of focus there makes a incredible injection of this something other of this black flame of this super substantial influence so that you can start going through this real transformation not just changing your personality traits not just changing your behaviors but changing the essence of what you are this is why the greek for super substantial which is epiusios which is uh Epi meaning extreme or ultimate, and usios meaning essence. Epiusios, it's your essence that change changes, or as the um, the La- the uh, Latin version, um, the Latin translation, super substantial. It's your substance. It's the substance of your being that changes as a result of this. And so yeah here's another thing about bees that I find really interesting that is captivating my attention these days um, and part of this is you know part of this is connected with I've been doing this carnivore diet and yeah it's been it's been pretty effective I mean while I was in Prague I fell off of it because. I realized in Europe, there's just not enough meat around to really sustain it. Um, and, and, and I realized this is one of the things about my experiences being an American and and, and especially a Texan. And uh, prior to that, in Nebraska, places where there's always lots of beef, there's always a lot of beef around. Everywhere you turn, there's beef. And, you know... <laughs> Nothing else. There's beef jerky, you know, always within arm's distance. But um, so you know, I fell off that that carnivore diet for a while while I was in Prague. But I was on it for a couple of weeks before, and I've been on it uh, pretty stable for a couple of weeks after, and I've about you know put off like eight or nine pounds, just kind of permanently, and I feel fine. Um, so. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's exciting. So anyhow, the reason this relates to bees is because a question came up recently. Um, and, and so the, the, the aim with the carnivore diet is that you um, only animal products. That's a rule. You follow that only animal products. So, um, so meat, especially red meat you know, pork and, you know, poultry, fish, whatever. And dairy, that's an animal product. That's like milk and stuff. And you can have some spices. um, And that's pretty much it. But then the question I had is, what about uh, honey? Because that's an animal product. That is an animal product. Bees are animals. You know, I mean... You go back to aristotle and animal vegetable mineral where do bees fit in well they're they're part of the animal kingdom they're animals it's created by life um and and one guy said to me so well i don't know no it's just because they regurgit they're just regurgitating pollen to make that so it's not really part of the animal but i'm like dude no that's like what milk is that's what dairy is it's not part of the animal that's just a substance that's regurgitated by cows or goats or any mammal, really. Um so so that's an interesting thing that I thought right there. And the other interesting thing I thought about bees is because I saw a thing on uh, Shark Tank. Uh, yeah, I watch Shark Tank every once in a while. That's interesting. So um and and, and there was like these uh ladies on there that had a company that's like bee free was their company and it's like it's bee-free honey so what it is is it's it's honey that's made from apple it's some combination of apple and something else that is uh tastes kind of like honey and so they're just marketing it as oh by the way this doesn't hurt bees and i thought that's like kind of funny because well i could really you know their, their product has nothing to do with bees. It's made from apples, but it tastes like honey. But they're just using that as a thing to say, we're not hurting bees so it's, so so they can appeal to the vegan community, community because vegans are really against uh, bees and honey, or against consuming honey because it's exploitive of bees. So first of all, I thought, well, I could sell milk or, um, you know, beer made from grain or just really anything else in the world and say, other than honey and say, Hey, it's not made from honey. So it's not, it's, so it's, you know, not hurting bees, not exploiting bees. I mean, there's a million things in the world that are not exploiting bees. Can I just put that label on it and sell it? So I thought that's like really stupid, but it's popular with vegans anyhow because they put that label on it so anyhow these ladies they're sold their product is sold in whole foods and they're trying to get a deal on on shark tank and they got a deal and i think this episode is like for like three or four years anyhow so none of this is probably like accurate with what's going on so don't go to whole foods tomorrow and say well i didn't see be free in there um You know, Paul Frederick, so I'm going to, like, go, like, you know, leave you a negative comment in your comments about that. So, like, just, you know, don't do that because that's not what I'm saying. So, look, the thing is, is, like, they're, like, at the time, they were able to, like, get marketed like this simply, like, by getting vegans really excited about it. But what is interesting about this is it, it got me thinking because one of the guys on there like talked about, yeah, um, I have bees. And so here's the thing is that by saying by doing nothing at all, they're saying that they're helping the bee population. Because it's well known that there's problems with the bee population, right? The bee population is diminishing. And so they're saying we're not using real bees, so we're somehow helping the bee population. That's actually so false. It's the opposite of what is true. Because people who are actually raising bees, people who love bees, are doing more for the bee population than vegans who aren't doing anything with bees. Right? Who won't even, like, buy, like, honey. If you buy honey, look, every, like, fucking bottle of honey in the grocery store, and where I live in Texas, there's, like, You know, because we live in kind of a free market still. So there's like 15 kinds of honey, you know, in my supermarket. Everything from like, you know, national stuff to, you know, we got honey from Sweden, we got honey from Brazil, we got honey from like uh, other people in Texas, all over the place. So there's all kinds of local, um, you know, beeries, you know, providing honey around here. And when you buy that honey from these people that raised bees to make the honey you're like giving them back money to support their effort because what do they want to do? they want to expand their business they want to have more hives they want to have more queens they want their bees to be like uh, a, a vibrant and thriving community so this is what I'm saying like vegan people who abstain from honey somehow they think they're helping bees. They're not. The people who are helping bees are the people who are raising them and putting honey in the store. So if you want to help bees, what you should do is buy some honey and fucking eat it, you know? Uh, Put it on your bread or whatever. So what I do, since I'm like carnivore now, and I don't do bread, so I can't put honey on my toast or my English muffins, which I used to love. Um, But what I've been doing is... I also have, like, a jar of royal jelly, so I'll do, like, one day of, you know, like, in the morning when I'm, like, you know, drinking my coffee, eating my my eggs and steak, and my other, like, ways of getting my carnivore day going, what I'll do is I'll have a spoon, uh, I scoop a spoon of royal jelly, and I'll squirt it down with honey from one of my favorite, like, local um, beekeeping I can't remember the name of it. I'll mention it next time. But that's what I'm saying. If you want to help bees, buy honey. So I think that really is all I have to rant about for now. So what I'm going to say is I had an intense time in Prague. I was gone for a while um, interacting with all of the bees over there and getting lots of honey lots of super substantial, and it was wonderful. And so what that means is there's kind of like a dark period here, and I guess really I haven't like posted any um, podcast for maybe three weeks or maybe a month, something like that, but I'm going to make up for that. So go to my Patreon and subscribe there so you get all of these things first before anyone else. I'm very, very, very loyal to that. And also, go uh, subscribe on YouTube. Really need more YouTube subscribers. Um, so, So help me out there. And stay tuned to whatever channel you listen to this on. And always, always, always keep the dark fires burning.